0: All right, y'all, we're back. And today was actually a request. And you are always welcome to send me requests for podcast episodes because I love being able to answer the questions that you have most. So you can always reach out to me on any of my social media platforms. I would say I'm most active in my DMs on Instagram. So it's the period, DR period, Tay. And come over there. Let me know what you want to learn about. So what the request was is I am going through the diagnosis process with my child right now, and I'm hearing a bunch of different diagnoses. This mama in particular, and this is super, super common, said, I'm hearing, well, maybe it's just ADHD, anxiety, and SPD, sensory processing disorder. And this mama is feeling, no, I'm pretty sure this is autism. So they were going through the evaluation process with another psychologist and we were just chatting in my DMs. And it's interesting, I've had a lot of conversations recently about this idea of differential diagnosis. So you might not even know that term. It might sound like a bunch of jargon to you, but what it's saying is that when your child is being diagnosed with autism, we want a provider that knows autism very well and is also going to do this process called differential diagnosis, meaning they're going to consider other diagnoses when they're deciding yes or no, it's autism. So when I go into an evaluation, I am not just thinking like, do they meet this checklist of symptoms? I'm also saying, are there other explanations for what is going on? And I am going to rule out different disorders like ADHD, anxiety, SPD. SPD, I will say, is something usually diagnosed by more the OT community, occupational therapists. It is not actually an official diagnosis in our Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which is how we ultimately determine if your child has a neurodevelopmental disorder or a mental health disorder. So I'm doing this differential diagnosis process. That's part one then if i'm deciding okay this is autism i'm also asking myself are there symptoms above and beyond autism that aren't explained and are we considering another diagnosis so that is exactly what this podcast episode is all about today is this process of differential diagnosis i'm going to help you to understand which diagnoses are commonly overlapping with autism both in the sense of you may hear this but it might actually be autism or Is it autism and something else, some other co-occurring disorder? And going to kind of walk you through that process. We're going to talk about different diagnoses. This, of course, is not intended to be comprehensive in nature. I'm not going to be able to go through every single diagnosis in detail. We'd be here quite a while. But I want you knowing going into an evaluation what the psychologist you're working with may be considering. And I say psychologists, I'm not saying that developmental pediatricians and neurologists don't consider differential diagnosis. They absolutely do. It's just that the field of psychology and the way that we often assess autism and the amount of data points we're bringing in, it usually allows for a deeper look and a deeper dive. So let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. I'm Dr. Tay, a licensed child psychologist and parent coach specializing in autism i have supported hundreds of autistic children and their families and have been in the autism field for over a decade. I'm the host of Evolve, the podcast where we have real conversations that are designed for autism parents just like you. Each week, we will discuss topics that directly impact your life. From providing psychoeducation about autism and neurodiversity to talking about your personal growth, well-being, and evolution as a parent, we dive into it all. Just keep in mind, nothing shared on this podcast is clinical advice, and you should consult with a medical or mental health provider if you need support. Now let's get to talking about is it autism or is it something else? So first off, at the top of the episode, I want to tell you what other disorders are commonly popping up in the autism evaluation process. So I would say most commonly is ADHD of saying, okay, is this a child with ADHD or is this autism or is it both? Another really common one is anxiety, especially for girls. And I promise an episode is coming soon where we really dive into how autism manifests in girls. But commonly, we see this in girls, and this can lead to misdiagnosis of someone thinking, okay, it's just anxiety, when in fact, the underlying nature of the symptoms might be better explained by autism. Another one that is very, very common are more behavioral disorders. So things like, Oppositional defiant disorder comes up a lot, or something like intermittent explosive disorder. Another one, especially in older kids, that's been coming up more that I'd lump under this is called DMDD, Disruptive Mood Dysregulation Disorder. It's basically saying your child is emotionally dysregulated. And then we also have SPD. I mentioned that at the top of the episode, sensory processing disorder. That is not something that a psychologist is going to typically diagnose, but we are looking at differential diagnosis in terms of that. And then I'll briefly touch on depression and bipolar disorder. I want you to consider this lens. I am a child psychologist, and I primarily work with kids 12 and younger. I have worked with teens in the past. It's just not something I currently do. And I really specialize in the youngest of children. So other overlapping things that can pop up are personality disorders and schizophrenia. And this absolutely is an important differential, but we're not going to talk about it today because those are usually things that emerge in late teens and into young adulthood And with autism, by definition, we need that early childhood period where we're seeing symptoms. That's literally written into the diagnostic criteria. And with personality disorders and schizophrenia, you're not going to usually see that early childhood evidence of those disorders, but these things can co-occur. So I just wanted to say that, but we're not going to actually dive into those differentials today since they're usually coming up later in development. Okay, let's start off by ADHD. So attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I hear people get confused between ADD and ADHD. Just so you know, now it is all lumped into one category. And you're either saying they have ADHD inattentive presentation or ADHD hyperactivity impulsivity presentation, or they can have a combined presentation where they have enough symptoms to meet both the inattention and the hyperactivity impulsivity. This is a really, really common differential. I would say this is the one I hear the most that parents are either asking about or we are considering because things can look the same. For example, your child may look inattentive. Their mind might be wandering to things. And some of what I am parsing apart is this difficulty regulating attention due to something like ADHD, or is it maybe your child's really interested? in what they're playing with, and so then they're not socially engaging with you. And so there's lots of different ways to look at this and consider this, and most psychologists are gonna take tons of data points. I wanna know your perspective. I wanna observe it for myself. I wanna know teachers' perspectives, other therapists' perspectives. I wanna integrate it all together. So one of the things that we know about ADHD, if your child is diagnosed with ADHD first, it actually delays the age of diagnosis. For autism, because what happens is then often parents and caregivers and teachers are saying, Oh, that's just the ADHD symptoms. And they're not asking that bigger question of, Could there be something more going on here? So we know from research, a diagnosis of ADHD often delays a diagnosis of autism. I will say, generally, if ADHD is diagnosed, it's usually then also worth saying, Is autism? also going on here, versus saying, okay, no, it's not ADHD. Yes, it's autism. Although I've had many cases like that. I was going to say, especially the inattentive presentation, but even things like hyperactivity, impulsivity, it could be things like not understanding the social nuances and social rules that are leading to impulsivity or stimming behavior. That can look like hyperactive behavior. So the question still does become, is this, ADHD, is it autism or is it both? And that is really the lens we're going in with it. Now, in terms of that overlap of ADHD and autism is actually fascinating. The dsm 4 which was our previous version of how we diagnosed kids with neurodevelopmental disorders and mental health disorders, adults as well, but it wouldn't even allow for both of those to be diagnosed simultaneously. With the dsm 5 they said, yes, that can be diagnosed. And I will say, if you don't go through this process of differential diagnosis and really understanding the functions of the behavior and why these symptoms exist, it can be easy to be like, oh, okay, it's definitely ADHD in addition to autism. There's a lot of overlap that happens there. And so what we have to ask ourselves as providers is if we determine, yes, it's autism, are these symptoms of ADHD Above and beyond what we know exists in autism. And one complicated aspect of this is both autism and ADHD have what are called executive functioning difficulties, where this could be things like cognitive flexibility, easily being able to move from one test to the next. Or it could be things like working memory, being able to hold things in memory and manipulate the information. So executive functioning, it's how your brain works. It's basically all the different functions that are housed in your brain. And we know that there's deficits associated with both ADHD and autism. So that is kind of one of the biggest pieces that are often coming up. Or I also will hear, okay, well, we wonder about ADHD. And again, we're still going through that same process, regardless if that ADHD diagnosis already exists or not. Now, with young kids, here's the thing. At the earliest, we'll diagnose ADHD is age four. Well, we know we can diagnose autism much earlier than that. And so if I'm assessing a two- or three-year-old, ADHD is not usually coming into the picture, although there have been some very hyperactive and impulsive kids to the point that it is dangerous that I have actually diagnosed ADHD. So it's not saying you can never diagnose before age four, but it's really hard because just of typical development and what we expect. So ADHD isn't always coming into the picture if we're doing really early diagnosis. And even so, some providers don't really like diagnosing it until like age six once they're in school and have had time to adjust. That one will probably take the longest. Real quick, just a brief interruption, because I want you to know you don't have to navigate this journey alone. If you're in a place where you have concerns about your child's development, you've been on the search for a therapist that provides evidence-based neurodiversity-affirming care, or you're needing more support as a parent, the whole family approach may be a good fit for you. Autism doesn't just impact your child's life, so you deserve care that works for your child and your whole family. Head to the link in the show notes to schedule a complimentary call where we can chat about your unique circumstances. We can help you decide if Dr. Tay Concierge Clinical Care would be a good fit for your family. And if not, we will provide you resources for your next best steps. Know you are supported here and we cannot wait to chat. So head to the show notes to schedule your free consult call today. Let's talk about the next one, which is anxiety. So anxiety is a huge umbrella term, it could mean things like what we call generalized anxiety disorder, a lot of worry. It could be something like OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, which has a huge overlap with autism of wanting things a certain way or, you know, getting really stuck on something where you're obsessing about it. Additionally, it could be things like social anxiety, a fear of being judged or misperceived and wanting to avoid social situations as a result of that. So there's so many different anxiety disorders that we're factoring in here. And for example, with GAD, generalized anxiety disorder, we could see a kid who is very perseverative, meaning they get stuck on something. Is that because they have chronic worry That's associated with GAD. Or is it a hyperfixation potentially with autism? And so that's a question we're asking. Additionally, OCD, like I said, routines and rituals, that can look like a compulsion. And with autism, we know that there's difficulties with change and transition and wanting to have predictability. And so again, those have different functions. With OCD, what we're usually seeing is that The compulsions are done in a way to reduce the obsessions or the worries. The compulsions temporarily help to reduce anxiety, but then we see it come back up. You absolutely can have both of these. That's the thing to keep in mind here. And like social anxiety is the motivation not to want to interact with peers because your child's so afraid of doing something wrong, being made fun of, judged these situations are just so anxiety provoking that they want to avoid them? Or is there this element where there's not an interest to be in that? Your child is perfectly content staying home and reading books, for example. And again, this is one where you can have both of those pieces. And I will tell you a really complicated differential is If a child has severe social anxiety disorder where they don't want to leave the house, they're only around their close family members, that becomes difficult to assess the social communication functioning, which is essential when we're thinking of autism. So, Like I mentioned at the top of the episode is we often see girls with higher levels of anxiety, but some of these quote unquote anxieties might not be true anxieties. They just might be interests and in our neurotypical world are being misperceived as worry. And so this is something we're often trying to differentiate. So with a verbal child, I'm going to do a lot of interviewing with the child themselves to understand more about how their brain is thinking. I also am going to look at behaviors. Is there a lot of avoidance going on? If there's a lot of avoidance, that's often indicative of anxiety, where the desire maybe is there, but not able to follow through. Or the parent is having to battle a lot and it's really driven from the child versus if it's no, we just stay at home or it could be avoidance on the parent side of things of I don't take my kid to the grocery store because every time they do, they have a meltdown and it's like, okay, is that meltdown because maybe they're anxious in that situation or is it they're overstimulated? And so then I'm asking follow-up questions to really be able to do a deep dive to, again, understand the function of the behavior. And that's the whole process of differential diagnosis is understanding where these symptoms are coming from. So that is one of the things that comes up a lot. Now, let's talk about behavioral disorders. Again, there's so many different presentations. For simplicity, I am going to lump them in to basically what we consider, quote unquote, challenging behaviors And this can appear as oppositionality. It can appear as defiance. It can appear as really big emotions where the child's not able to control their emotions. And with something like ODD, oppositional defiant disorder, and that related presentation, there really is truly an intentionality to wanting to push those limits. And with autism, that absolutely can exist, but sometimes it's simply a misunderstanding. I'll hear from parents of being like, no, like he looks at me. And so I know that he's intentionally doing this. And so we got to dive deeper into that. How do we know he's intentionally doing this? And a lot of times when I'm asking these questions, I'm realizing that there's some basis of communication difficulties. Maybe the child's not fully understanding. Maybe Things are dropping out of their working memory, right? It will be like, I tell them what to do, and then they don't do it. They're just not listening. And it's like, okay, how are you explaining this to them? Well, I told them to go get their shoes, put on their coat, and then go into the car, but don't forget to grab an umbrella on the way out. I don't know why I used the umbrella example, but whatever. It's like your child might be putting on their shoes and then just standing there being like, I don't remember what's next and not realizing that they need to ask for support. And so that is not oppositionality. That is not defiance. That's a communication difficulty. So that's one end. The other end that I see this on is severe emotion dysregulation. And I don't even think I want to use the word severe here. It's just emotion dysregulation. And that commonly co-occurs with autism. And here's the thing. If your child has big emotions and they escalate rapidly, When anyone gets to the point of having these big emotions where they're overwhelming, all logic goes out the window at that point. And so it's not that they're intentionally trying to disobey you or not listen. It's that their body is in fight or flight mode. It's like their sensory system is so overwhelmed in that moment. And guess what? On an intervention side, we're going to approach those completely differently. And so with these behavioral disorders, yes, they can co-occur. Absolutely. And we want to really make sure that that is the true function of the behavior is either something like they intentionally are defying, or the other thing is like they have really big emotions. Sometimes we'll see DMDD with that disruptive mood dysregulation disorder or intermittent explosive disorder as well. And a lot of times I, as a provider, I have had a lot of training in emotion dysregulation. It's like, no, it doesn't warrant a separate diagnosis. We just have to understand what some of these early cues are. And so I'm not saying it never gets diagnosed. And I think what sometimes happens is behavioral disorders are overdiagnosed with autism. And I am going to just call this out. More often than not, we see children of color getting these behavioral disorders first and foremost, and at a much higher rate than we see white children getting these disorders. And it's pretty mind-blowing, actually. And if you're a provider listening to this, we need to be really cautious about that, that we aren't pathologizing behavior in a different way, that we aren't viewing it from a different lens, which is our own biases. And we need to be willing to take that step back. So again, behavioral disorders absolutely can co-occur we often see they precede autism diagnoses, so something like a behavior disorder or an other specified behavior disorder, or I'm trying to think of some of the lingo, disruptive behavior. There's all these like different diagnoses that come with it, and not all children that have that are going to have autism. And if we know that there's deficits in social communication and potential restricted repetitive behaviors, we really need to be doing a good differential on that one. Let's talk about the next one, sensory processing disorder. Again, psychologists don't typically diagnose this. But what sensory processing disorder is, is basically saying that your child has difficulty regulating sensory inputs. Maybe they are hypersensitive to them, meaning there's things that are overwhelming and overstimulating them, or they're hyposensitive. They have less sensitivity to them. And we can also see that kids will seek out sensory as well as avoid sensory. And so we did a great episode on sensory with Dr. Samantha Goldman, who's an occupational therapist. Highly recommend you go listen to that one. But let's talk about SPD. So I will say by definition, SPD and autism cannot co-occur together. And let me tell you why. It's not saying your kids don't have sensory difficulties. It's that the autism criteria takes into account these sensory difficulties. It is one of these symptoms. And so it is redundant. Now, if your kid has both of them, that is okay. But I'm here educating on the process of differential diagnosis And so we would just say that is part of the autism presentation. There's no separate diagnosis above and beyond what is the base criteria for autism. And we absolutely need to be addressing these sensory elements, no question about it. I will say they've done some research on this, I believe, but the majority of kids with SPD, usually autism needs to be part of the question. I'm not saying they're always autistic. But that differential needs to happen. But we can get kids with anxiety, for example, that don't have impairment in social communication and interaction, and they have these sensory difficulties. So that is possible. So sensory isn't unique to autism as a whole. And it is part of the criteria. Your child doesn't have to have sensory difficulties though in order to meet diagnostic criteria. I reviewed the diagnostic criteria in episode four way back when, so feel free to go check that out if you're curious. Now, before we dive into the last one, which is depression and bipolar, I wanna say this. So we often see this presentation and this is what inspired this episode is this mama was saying, well, people are saying it could be ADHD, anxiety, and SPD. If we are seeing multiple diagnoses, I will say it is often helpful to at least rule out autism. Is autism part of this picture? Because what we see is that kids with autism tend to get more diagnoses. And what's really interesting from a psychiatry standpoint, polypharmacy occurs with autistic kids more than the general population of kids that are presenting to psychiatry. I wish I remembered this stat. It's funny, I used to write in research papers all the time. I want to say it's something like seven to ten times more likely to have polypharmacy. That, that might be overestimated, but it's many, many times greater than what we see in non-autistic children presenting to psychiatry. And what this idea of polypharmacy is, is that more meds just keep getting added on. And a lot of times that can be because we're not really taking a step back and saying, what's going on here? process of differential diagnosis where the symptoms are being responded to and not understanding this whole picture. So I will say if your child is getting multiple diagnoses, I would take a step back and be like, could autism be part of this? Should I have an evaluation specifically with this in mind? The last one that I want to talk on, and this one doesn't come up as often, especially in early childhood and elementary age children, but it can, is depression and bipolar disorder. So your kid could have depression and it could be autism. And some of this is this interesting cyclical nature. For example, if your child is undiagnosed as autistic and it hasn't been identified yet and there is this awareness that they don't fit in. That can lead to depression. So we actually see higher rates of anxiety and depression in autistic children, because especially when they have a average to above average IQ, because they're understanding what's going on in their environment and they understand that maybe they're not fitting in. Maybe they're different than their peers, which this is one of the reasons I strongly encourage parents to talk about autism in their family and not avoid the topic because your kids are likely picking up on it. So depression can be really common. Also bipolar. So bipolar is interesting because what can happen is if you have an autistic child who has emotion dysregulation, their mood can seem really labile. And what that means is it fluctuates often. And so sometimes then it's like, oh, this is bipolar. And I will say commonly we see more diagnoses of bipolar in the psychiatry field. Because in order to prescribe a medication, they have to diagnose a disorder that supports that medication, usually for insurance purposes. So sometimes it's just this misunderstanding of emotion dysregulation in autism. Of course, these things can co-occur. I would say the co-occurrence of bipolar and autism is pretty small. It's not super, super common. So that is an overview. I want to read real quick some stats for you because I just want to contextualize all of this of like how often are these things co-occurring? I think that can be interesting to think about. So this was a study by Dr. Lay out of the University of Toronto. They did what is called a systematic review and meta-analysis. So what that means is they take tons and tons of studies that were done across many, many years. And this meta-analysis, what it does is it synthesizes all of the information. So initially, they were looking at 9,515 unique studies, and then they have certain qualifications they're looking at. So 420 contribute to this. And so ultimately, then they do this full review of 420 they have additional criteria and the data then was based on 83 studies so out of 83 studies what they found is that ADHD occurred in about 33% of autistic children so co-occurring with autism anxiety disorders were 23% they also found sleep disorders which i didn't touch on here sleep wake disorders are 13% depressive disorders 12% OCD 10% so technically OCD and anxiety, they pulled the OCD criteria out of the anxiety section of the DSM. I lumped them together here because they often go hand in hand. And then disruptive impulse control conduct disorders. That's that behavioral profile, 10%. Schizophrenia spectrum disorders, 5%. Bipolar disorders, 5%. So that gives you a general understanding. So what we're seeing is that what co-occurs most frequently is ADHD and anxiety. And that's exactly what we often see presenting clinically, too. And we're asking ourselves as clinicians, is it this or this or is it both? And what we see is there is a high overlap. If we think about it, what we know is that a lot of autistic children have co-occurring disorders. And so this is something, again, just to kind of recap this episode, is finding a provider that first and foremost is thinking of all these different diagnoses when they're saying yes or no to autism, and then are taking it a step further and saying, are there additional diagnoses? The additional diagnoses don't always happen, though, in the early childhood period, just because of when they naturally develop. So if your child was diagnosed young and then you're starting to see additional challenges pop up, Sometimes this is the case where it can be helpful to get another diagnostic evaluation done. At that point, they're not saying yes or no, is this autism? But they're saying, okay, we know it's autism. Are there co-occurring disorders with this as well? All right, y'all, that is a wrap for this week's episode. I hope that was helpful. I know this is something I'm talking with a lot of parents about. You might be curious as well heading into your evaluation. Or again, if your child is already diagnosed, as new things pop up, you might be going, Hey, should we be doing further testing? And as always, I say to trust your gut and trust your instinct and don't be afraid to advocate for this. The other thing that I want to remind you of is if you get a result and you don't agree with it, it is absolutely your right as a parent to be able to get a second opinion. So, all right. Thank you so much for listening and I will be back next week. If you find yourself listening to these episodes and finding value, come join the Evolve Facebook group. Each week, I record podcast episodes live in that community and host a QA and a after each episode. You get access to engage with me, plus you can connect with other like-minded autism parents. It is a community designed for you to feel seen, heard, and supported as a parent of an autistic child and introduces you to my whole family approach. The group is linked in the show notes. I will be back next week with another real conversation about all things autism and your family life. Be sure to hit the plus or follow button in the podcast platform that you are listening to right now. This will notify you when the next episode is live. Catch you all later.